Exodus chapter number 16, beginning with verse number 1. Exodus 16, chapter number, verse number 1, excuse me. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Verse 4, then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, at evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them at twilight, you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they, they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over to the morning. 
but they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning and bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. Now on the sixth day they gathered twice as much as bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them and it did not stink and there were no worms in it. And Moses said, eat it today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. And on the seventh day, some of them still went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long? Will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it like wafers made with honey. Ooh, that sounds good. And Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. And as the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. And the people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is the tenth part of an ephah. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So we find ourselves back in the book of Exodus, where we are studying revelation and redemption. The children of Israel have been delivered out of the bondage of Egypt. And on last week, we learned that the Lord saved them from Pharaoh by bringing them through the Red Sea on dry land and drowning the Egyptians. We learned last week that the Lord saves his people and judges his enemies. The Lord bringing Israel out of Egypt and saving them by way of the Red Sea is a foreshadowing of new covenant salvation. Like Israel, we have been delivered out of the bondage of Satan, sin, and death by way of the blood of the Lamb. We have been saved from the Lord's wrath, the Lord's judgment. And the Lord did this not because we deserved it, not because we earned it. We are saved simply by the grace of God. The question, when a person becomes 
saved, when they are saved by grace through faith, the question that logically follows is, what's next? What comes after salvation? Now, remember that the Lord has promised to bring Israel to a land flowing with milk and honey. So it's reasonable to assume that Israel expected to go straight from Egypt to Canaan. They expected to go from grace to glory. However, this was not the Lord's plan. Something else was needed first. What is that something else, you ask? The answer is sanctification. The long, hard, difficult process of being conformed to the holiness of God. Israel now finds themselves in the wilderness. A dry, barren, desolate place. The wilderness, a place full of trials, tribulations, and challenges. However, the wilderness is a place where they meet God. Why the wilderness? Let's back up to chapter 15, verse number 22. Here's why God has led them to the wilderness. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Friends, remember what's happened in very recent history for Israel. They've cried out to the Lord about their oppression and their slavery. The Lord hears their cries. He brings plagues upon Egypt because Pharaoh refuses to let God's people go. He preserves the firstborn of Israel by passing over their homes, by not allowing death to come to their homes because they had been covered by the blood of the Lamb. He frees them. He delivers them. They get to the Red Sea. They think they're trapped. But the, and instead of the Red Sea being their trap, it actually becomes their deliverance. God builds a highway in the middle of the Red Sea. The Lord has proven himself to be the God who delivers, saves, and provides. Yet, after traveling through the wilderness, they find no water. And what is their response? Verse 24, chapter 15, and the people grumbled. They complained. 
And the reason that is significant is because their complaining is a demonstration of their unbelief. They failed to trust that the Lord would provide. So why does the Lord bring them into the wilderness? Verse 25, and Moses cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet, drinkable. And there the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, and there he tested them. The wilderness was to be the place of testing. The word test here means to train. The wilderness became Israel's training ground. The purpose of the wilderness was to train Israel to trust in the Lord. The wilderness is the classroom of learning to live by faith. Friends, between deliverance and glory is the wilderness. And for the Christian, life on earth is our wilderness. We've been saved, we've been brought out of sin, and we're on our way to heaven, glory. But between deliverance and glory, between grace and glory, is wilderness, the place of growth. The Lord is training us in the wilderness to trust in him and him alone. The wilderness is the place we learn to trust God because it's in the wilderness that the Lord proves that he is trustworthy. Look what happens in the text. They come to the place of bitter water. I'm still in chapter 15. They, come, they become bitter and complain. Then the Lord has Moses throw a log into the water. The water becomes sweet. The Lord provides just what they need. He proves himself to be worthy of their trust. Like Israel, we prefer to go from grace to glory. We prefer to be saved and go straight to heaven. But between grace and glory is a time of growth. The Lord takes us through the wilderness to form our faith. The wilderness is the place of our sanctification. The long, hard journey of becoming conformed to the image of Christ. There's a question that we must ask, though, because it's pretty abstract to just preach and say, trust in the Lord. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, what does it actually look like to trust in God? What does it look like to actually exercise faith in God? Going back to chapter 15, verse 25, I think we find the answer. The Lord says he's putting Israel to the test in verse 25. What is it he's testing? Verse 26. 
The Lord says, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. What does it look like to trust in God? Obedience. Obedience is the demonstration of faith in God. Obedience reveals faith. In like manner, disobedience reveals a lack of faith. Let's move on. We get to chapter 16. The people of Israel continue their wilderness journey. They come to the place called the wilderness of sin. What happens here? Look at verse 2 of chapter 16. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full? For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. First, they get to the place of no water. Now they come to a place of no food. Once again, they face a challenge. And what do they do? What they do best. Complain. Thank you. Let me say something about this briefly. Complaining is clearly a sign of unbelief. Complaining is a lack of trust in God. And what a necessary word for us today. We live in a world full of complaining. We can just start right here in the church. We don't like the way a ministry is being handled. We disagree with something in the worship service. We complain about our leaders. We do this at home as well. We complain about the house we live in. We complain about the food that's bought. We complain about the furniture. Friends, there is a major problem when we complain. Skip down to verse number 8 of chapter 16. And, uh, uh, and Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat in the morning, and in the morning, bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Friends, complaining reveals that there is a problem in our relationship with God. Complaining says to the Lord that we are not grateful for what he has provided or that we don't trust that he will provide. So what do we do about this issue of complaining? Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 make this very clear. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. There's our command. There's the life application Go and do. Do all things. 
Let me help you. You know what all means in the Greek? All. I studied Hebrew too. Do you know what Hebrew, what all means in the Hebrew? All. Common core. That's the problem. Oh, I got an email about that. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you might be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. When you complain, your light dims. Instead of complaining, trust that God will provide. Trust that God will fix the situation. Trust that God knows just what we need. Trust in the goodness of God. So the story goes on to say that the Lord responds to their complaining by providing for them bread from heaven. Now there's a purpose behind God's provision in the wilderness. Look at verse 4. What's the purpose? That I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Here was the test. First, they were to gather bread from heaven as much as they could eat. And Moses told them not to leave any of it until the morning. In verse 27, verse 20, excuse me, says, but they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning. Why did they do that? Because they doubted that the Lord would provide food for them the next day. So they said, let's save some of it for tomorrow, just in case the Lord doesn't provide. One word describes all of this, unbelief. Test grade F. The test goes on, though. The Lord declared that the seventh day was to be a day of solemn rest, a Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, they were to gather twice as much bread. However, some Israelites still went to gather food on the Sabbath. Look what happens. They moved from rationing food because they did not think God would provide. They moved from rationing to hoarding. Both rationing and hoarding were acts of unbelief. But I think there's another lesson that's appropriate for our day and time. Look what the text says. The Lord blessed them with the Sabbath. A day of, here's a dirty four-letter word, rest. Yet, instead of resting, they tried to work. Why? Because they didn't believe the Lord would provide. And friends, what a timely word for us today. Some of us are physically exhausted because we simply will not rest from our work. And friends, a lack of rest can be a sign of unbelief. We work 
and we work and we work because we think if we don't, we won't have what we need to survive. And for some of us, the holiest thing we can do as an act of faith is to get some rest. Take a nap. Use your PTO, personal time off. Listen, I think this is just my personal opinion. I know I, I try not to ever preach my opinions, but you're going to hear my opinion this one time. Listen, it is against my religion to have any vacation left over at the end of the year. I'm taking all of it. And if I can borrow some, I want that too. rest. Go do something fun and life-giving. Trust God. Whew. Finally, chapter 17. The Israelites again face the problem of no water. What do they do? Complain. Blame Moses. By the way, this is free, and then I got to go. That word complain in the Hebrew can actually also be translated rebel. Here's why you have to be careful of complaining, church, because remember that the text says, Moses says, y'all not complaining against us, y'all are complaining against the Lord. If you're not careful, complaining can become open rebellion against God. That's free. So they blame Moses, but something changes in the text this time. Instead of the text saying the Lord tested them, this time, chapter 17, the text says they tested the Lord. How are they testing the Lord? Go down to verse 7. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah. Because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? They tested the Lord by doubting his promise among them. They probably had questions like, where is God? We're in this wilderness, no water, no food. Is the Lord with us? God are you really there? Some of us can identify with the children of Israel because we are going through a desert, dry season in our life right now. And you are questioning and wondering, God, are you with me? You feel like God has forgotten and forsaken you. But really, one of the things that God did, what God was doing when he provided for them sweet water, manna from heaven, and water again, is that his provision was to be proof of his presence. Every time they faced lack, 
the Lord provided. His provision was proof that he was with them. Here was their problem. They let their circumstance determine their theology. Their outward circumstances had them doubting their theology. They got to the place of no water and forgot that they just got from the desert where there was no water before. And the Lord provided. Now they get to the same situation and they forget what the Lord had done for them in the past. That's why God gives them so many uh, commands to remember. Has them build altars and gives them the Passover meal. Because we forget when we get to a tough situation, we get to a dry season, we get to the wilderness, we forget about the Lord who brought us out. And some of us need to do what some of us, what some of us need to do right now today at the, at the end of this service as a result of this word is just to do some recall and rehearsing and remember what the Lord has done for you. This ain't the first time you've been in the situation you are. And after you recall what God has already done for you, how he has already provided, you ought to be able to say, great is thy faithfulness. His provision was his proof of presence. But, but, but not only did he give his provision as a proof of his presence, but he also gave his glory as a proof of his presence. If you go back to chapter 16, verse 10, it says that the congregation looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Here, the glory of the Lord refers to a visible manifestation of the presence of the Lord. In this episode, the Lord responds to their test by telling Moses, they get to this place of no water, and this is how the Lord provides. He says, Moses, I want you to go to the rock that's at Horeb, and I'm going to stand before you. And the Lord tells Moses, he says, I want you to strike the rock, and water will come out of it, and the people will drink. Let me cut across the field here. Paul takes this experience in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. He says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Jesus Christ is the rock. Jesus Christ. The question is, how do I survive and thrive in the wilderness? Lean on the rock. Somebody said it like this. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. 
All of the ground is sinking sand. So how do we make it in this wilderness called life? Feast on Christ. Drink from the rock that is Christ. Christ is our sustenance. Christ is who sustains us. We follow him. We feed on him. Christ is with us. Christ is in us. Christ is the rock. He's the way. And we make it through the wilderness. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for our time here this morning. Thank you for the songs that have been sang, the prayers that have been prayed, the testimony that has been shared. Thank you for your word that gives new life. Now, God, forgive us for our complaining, for our grumbling, for our faithlessness. Teach us to trust in you, to depend on you, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance. Help us to remember your goodness towards us. God, if there be some person here who is not yet trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Spirit of God, soften their heart. Reveal to them their sinfulness so that they come crying, what must I do to be saved, to be forgiven? They here clearly believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs>